Okay, right, well, welcome everybody into the latest episode of Before the Crowd. I am sat here with, I'm going to call you the doctor of rock and roll, <laughs> Princess Maha. Wow. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for having me. That's all right. So, um, for people who maybe haven't read the description yet, um, Maha is the lead singer and guitar player for The Cut, which is her band, um, yeah. just about to head out on the road on tour, which is kind of what this chat is about the perils of touring, what we can expect from it, how the climate has changed from maybe 20 years ago, these glamorous days of touring, <laughs> to the actual reality of it. Given, uh, obviously, this kind of worldwide pandemic of corona that we're going through right now, how it's affecting the music industry. So yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks Thanks. For coming on. Thank you. Um, so let's dive right in. Let's talk about your upcoming tour. Where are you going? Um, how yeah. did it come about? Tell us the story. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so it kind of came about kind of out of the blue really because I ended up getting a text off my on my birthday off a friend of mine that, that books Danko Jones mm -hmm. um, and just said you know they've got this UK and Ireland tour um, do you want to go and I was just like wow and then it was like by the way happy birthday <laughs> it just happened to be my birthday but um, oh, that's nice I was like of course you know Danko Jones is like massive Canadian artist and um, also with quite a similar setup to what we're doing with the cut because you know he is the the artist and then he's got a trio so again like it's the same you know the cut is my solo project and we play as a trio so it was like it couldn't really be a, a better matchup to be honest um but, but yeah like heading out um yeah basically nine uk dates starting from the 17th okay wow so really soon yeah it's heading up <laughs> um it's just the first tour you've done as the cut with this current trio uh no no i mean it's um it's been quite a few i mean we we have done quite a lot of touring between, you know, 2016, like quite long ones every year mm. um, and quite a few countries as well. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, but it's the first time that we get to support a bigger act, which is massive. Right. Okay. So that obviously means like playing bigger venues, yeah. um, big, more exposure to different crowds who maybe like Canadian fans who haven't heard your music before. And yeah. then it's showcasing yourself to this brand new range of fans, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, can't wait for that, really, because it is a different crowd, but I guess, like, if you listen to Dango Jones and then you listen to us, you can you can probably see that maybe their guys are going to like what we do. We know. Yeah. I mean, we can just get out there and just see. I guess, like, if you were going to categorise your music, what sort of genre would you say it falls into, maybe for people who are listening who haven't listened to The Cut yet? Yeah, I guess, like, it's definitely rock. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny, actually, because I use this... Um, Kind of technology analyzer to analyze the genre of your music because I don't know, mm -hmm. like some people say we're metal, some people say we're rock, but I guess because it's screaming, um, and it actually came up like 50 50 rock and metal, which is weird, okay. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <Like> legitimately 50 <laughs> yeah. 50. Well, with most songs, I mean, but that's like just the technology, so I can mess around as well. It said our lyrics were negative too, which I can't understand that, but oh. anyway, that's just that technology is not what I think, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot of the time I would say that we're quite 90s influenced grunge. Okay, cool. So, kind of just going off the back of that then, because you mentioned screaming, so obviously as the vocalist being yeah. out on tour, how do you look after your voice to make sure you can perform at the same level from the first day of the tour right until the last date of the tour? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, vocal warm-ups help. I never really got into that, unfortunately, because I didn't, you know, take any formal training, but I have a great vocal coach um, who I've had a couple of sessions with uh, called Melissa Cross. She's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, and she does all the Zeta screaming. I mean, I kind of went to her because, you know, um, just to get the extra boost for the vocals 
And then also, uh, I was using lots of Vocal Zone. Okay. Um, who I ended up reaching out to and getting an endorsement with. So. They have a little bit the vocal tablets to yeah. lozenges. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Okay. And they sent me loads of stuff. So they're actually really cool guys. Mm. That's really cool. Have you ever been a fan of, um, was it the Manuka honey that a lot oh, of vocalists yeah. use? Like, yeah. the, what, like the 20 pound pot of honey? <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I mean, just any, any honey. It doesn't have to be like a, an expensive honey, but honey is good for your vocal too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know like quite a few vocalists who they take a lot of precautions and, um, don't have dairy at all or oh, certainly right. not before a show because apparently like it really affects their voice. You're going to make me paranoid now. Okay. Is that not <laughs> something you really bother with or adhere to? Um, no, I mean, yeah, I guess that maybe I do it on a subconscious level okay. without knowing, but um, yeah, I don't normally do that. And plus when you're on tour, sometimes you don't even get a chance to think about what you're going to eat anyway, so right. you're just kind of traveling and, and doing that more than the other bit. But so, yeah, sure, maybe in the future I could knock that on the head and, <laughs> and see, but like, I'm trying to reduce dairy anyway, just because of the impact of it on the environment. Okay, great, yeah. yeah. So, as you just said there, like sometimes when you're on tour, you don't know what you're gonna eat next. How yeah. do you think you guys as a band balance that level of self-care yeah. whilst you're on the road? Well, I mean, it is incredibly difficult because like the, the high bit is obviously the shows, mm. hanging out with everyone that's come to see you, seeing friends, I mean, that's the high. Um, but yeah, on the road, there is like some difficult times as well, particularly with long travels, you know, maybe like taking something like a DS or a book so that, you know, when there is downtime, it's not more like you're just in a venue where the only thing you can do is drink, you know, it's kind of about balancing and, you know, trying not to just eat fast food every single day or, right, yeah. Um, yeah, or basically, you know, drink too much and, and do all that. So yeah, there is a bit of a balance to be had with it. It's really difficult. And so my experiences with touring is I've always found the the bands I've played in at least but you will maybe get one or two people in the band who are like really heavy drinkers and they kind of latch onto each other and really party hard and then the other half of the band is maybe like no I'm not doing that because you do you know what I mean mm. I mean like we're a trio so it doesn't really work like that for yeah us, but, of course but I mean I have to say you know we know when we can let loose and when not and when you can't yeah yeah I mean yeah, definitely. I guess that in the earlier days, I probably had less control over that because, you know, sometimes you don't know why you're drinking a lot. And it might be because uh, feelings about the show, maybe, you know, something happened before. And you've got to actually be able to separate that in order to just make sure you have a good time and focus on the show. And if you are going to drink, then you just drink afterwards and like know your limit. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's really good to have that awareness. Um, I guess kind of going back to more the organization of the tour, yeah. um, something I wanted to ask you is, is the tour, like it sounds very intense and I know you're working yeah. really hard cause we've spoken a bit about this. Yeah. It, are you organizing the tour like entirely off your own back or have you got help from other people or how, how's it working for you? Yeah. So, I mean the agent that, that offered us the show, you know, obviously they put it through the management and that's really cool. So we have the dates, but the tour logistics are on, on us so mm. I'm the tour manager for the tour which means things like you know organizing our crew um, itinerary uh, accommodations uh, ordering merch and you know like obviously just just making sure that there's no stone unturned as it were yeah and that every single night is going to be exactly as we want it as okay. well as obviously promoting online you know because we want to make sure that everyone can come um, and get the word out early enough definitely yeah. and I think um, 
it, it's so difficult now. Like I was talking to a friend earlier who he's had the same residency every single week, uh, quite a notorious hotel in London, okay. and they've cancelled their residency now because oh, of wow. Corona. Oh wow! What, what's the capacity of the um, venue? Um, it's it's not massive, but I th I think it's only I think they're more kind of like the background jazz band that are playing. Um, but because of obviously like this pandemic and everyone's in such panic. Yeah. I mean, is it a pandemic yet? Is that what? I think they declared it was. Oh really? Um, but the thing is, like, a lot of people are getting put off it. But it's great that I think you're still going ahead with the tour, and it's you know you're not cancelling dates. No, and, I mean, and not going off this media hype to a degree what the corona is, you know. It's yeah. still carrying on as usual. It's great to see it. Thank you. I mean, the thing is that the tour is going ahead. So, mm. like, um, I guess the, the big scare that happened really was South by Southwest being cancelled because we know that there was a lot of acts that were booked out. People I know, like, that their acts were booked to play there. And then, obviously, with that being cancelled, I mean, there's massive repercussions for the industry. I mean... South by Southwest kind of made a statement that they had to actually cancel the event because of like local government pressure. So the the state declared an emergency, mm -hmm. and that meant that the event had to be called off. And yeah, I think South by Southwest been re hit really hard there because you know they don't have kind of insurances in place to protect them for stuff like that. Mm. You know, it's like if there was an alien invasion, like we don't have insurance for stuff like that. Either. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but I mean. I, I'm not kind of making a joke of it, really. I, I just feel like that those things were so unlikely in my mind when we started promoting this tour. Like, you'd never think that there would be some kind of uh, virus outbreak. But, you know, we've just got to follow what the guidance is. And, you know, everyone's saying, you know, wash your hands. Yeah. And, um, you know, just don't... I mean, obviously, like, it's difficult because we love to go and hug everybody that comes and supports us. But, you know, maybe we won't be able to do that. But we'll definitely be there and, and hanging out. Definitely. I, I think the, the elbow bump is now getting pretty universal between people instead of a hug. Yeah, the, the Wuhan, what is it called? The Wuhan shake or something? <laughs> I haven't um, heard it called that. Is that what it is? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, it sounds a lot cooler than this, but... Yeah. No, I mean, it's what you've got to do, isn't it? You know. I think that the, you know, just from what I've been reading, the kind of risks are the, the very, very big events. I mean, the majority of the shows that we're playing are about 500 cap or under, mm -hmm. with the exception of a couple. Yeah. And um, I think that the real anxiety is when there's like 60, 70,000 people. I mean, I, mm. I was reading about the, there was a coronavirus um, conference, which I couldn't understand why they were having a conference, but, you know, expecting thousands of people to go there. And then I think that, those kind of events might be cancelled. Yeah, absolutely. It's those ones that, you know, tens of thousands of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's, it is honestly great to see that you're still going out on tour. Yeah, thanks. And I still mean, making that effort for the fans as well, right? Yeah, well, I mean, we want to, and it's just, you know, um, obviously there you know, are some tensions about it, but, you know, life goes on, and what are we going to do? If anything, like the tour is going to be there to take everyone's minds off this kind of negativity right now. Mm, definitely, definitely. Um, so one thing I was going to ask you, because obviously you said since, probably about four years since 2016, you've sort of been touring in various countries. Have you kind of got any crazy stories of anything that's, that's happened on the road to you that you wow. want to share? Yeah, loads. I mean, okay. um, well, where do you want to begin? <laughs> so, no. One strange story, actually. Um, we 
were playing out in Germany and it, we'd had this tour booked by an agent mm -hmm. and um, you know it turns out there was weird circumstances about the show which I'm not going to go into but okay. you know the the agent turns up after our set and came over and you know he came and introduced himself to me his name was Mario mm -hmm. so you know I was like okay you know chatting to him and he was like you know wanting to buy some merch I was like okay he's like how many vinyl have you got so he actually bought all our vinyl on the first night of the tour. So I was like, wow, thank you so much, you know. Yeah. And then, like, you know, he was about to head off. I was like, no, you've got to meet the girls, you know. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for everything. And got the girls. And then they came over and said, oh, thanks for the tour. And we're really happy. And, you know, he'd done quite a bit of work and stuff. Anyway, so he kind of was a bit, like, trying to leave. But, you know, we kind of kept him there for a bit. Anyway, so we all hung out and then hugs and... He goes off and then I messaged, you know, the guy the next day. I mean, to be honest, that day was a bit tricky anyway, because that particular event, there was the, um, the terrorist incident in Germany and we didn't actually, oh, wow, okay. we didn't know where that was. And we just got texts after the fact, you know, that people had been run over in the street in the markets. Mm. But yeah, we, we got off the phone and people were blowing up our texts up and saying, are you okay? Where in Germany are you? And it was like, wow. Um, but yeah, so after all that died down, we said we're safe, we're nowhere near all that. And then the next day I messaged Mary and I said, look, thanks so much for coming last night and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, who was this imposter? It wasn't me. So basically that there was some guy that we'd like, that was a fan, that we'd basically forced to stay to meet everyone and like made this big deal about him and find right. the shows and he actually wasn't the agent but wow just like a hardcore <laughs> fan yeah you know, he was just a fan like he just like for heard us for the first time that night and um and we just you know like a bit of a mistaken identity um <laughs> he he probably was like wow i mean they're so friendly these girls yeah like, but you know that's it, really great though i mean it's that's <laughs> a funny mix-up <laughs> but i guess you've got to treat all the fans in the right way there's a really great ronnie james dio saying that i love that he was saying you know, when, when you're a rock star and you meet someone and you're never going to remember them, but they meet you and they will always remember you for the rest of your life. So that guy is, you know, he's going to take that experience and be like, oh my God, these lovely people, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm pretty good with faces, I would remember him. Okay. <laughs> the thing is, we didn't know what Mario actually looked like, do you know, that was the difference. So. Right, okay. But I, I kind of felt sorry for him because now, like, looking back, I can see how he was trying to leave and, like, obviously it was. Like forcing him to stay. Yes, yeah, stay and meet the band. Did you call him Marion then? Yeah, he was called Marion. Oh, well. so just, oh, that's a really weird coincidence, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. I thought you meant like he was called, I don't know, Jim or something. <laughs> no, he really but you were was like, called hey, Marion. He was like, hey, <laughs> just go along with it. It's weird because we've actually got a song called Marion as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he, that's like his band song that he loves. <laughs> I hope so. Maybe he's going to listen. Hey, Marion. <laughs> Cool. So, um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, obviously, like you've had great success in the rock chart. So, um, the the debut album it went yeah. to was it number seven? Yeah. Red. How does that come about? Like, that's a great achievement for a band to have, yeah. especially on a debut album. That's fantastic. Thank you. I mean, really, it did blow me away. Um, it kept kind of pushing for like, you know, let's get this in the charts, and you know, I obviously wanted to reach that mm. but at the same time I didn't know if I quite believed that it was possible yeah. I was just kind of putting it out there and then when the midweeks came through I mean a friend of mine actually forwarded them to me and I was like oh my god we're actually that yeah. so then we pushed a bit harder and then it, it got higher I mean in the end it it ended up in like six UK charts wow so yeah album charts so, so how did you get to that point was it just like a lot of promotion or um, like PR which avenue did you go down 
I mean, I guess the thing is that, you know, the cut for me was like in two, two parts, as it were. So like kind of kicked off really enthusiastically and then kind of got swooped in with, you know, the big management, the record label offers. So we were kind of waiting around for a while because Warner in the States had shown interest. Mm -hmm. And then it was kind of a case of, oh, well, you know, there's no point going ahead to start releasing and recording if, you know, we've got this label that's, you know, basically going to take us on. So kind of focused a lot on the live shows. And then after a couple of years of this, like, ongoing discussion, then, you know, the management that was representing us, I mean, Dennis, he's an awesome guy. I mean, he's retired since, but mm. he used to manage Evanescence and um, Ugly Kid Joe, Blind Mullen. You know, one at a time, he would take on these acts. Okay, great, yeah. Um, and he said, like, you know, you're stagnant. You haven't released anything. Like, you, you know, you've got to do the one thing that you're meant to do. I mean, you are a band. Like, you've got to release music. Yeah. And that had really not occurred to me. Okay. Um, in a way. And there was a bit of a mad conversation with a very close friend of mine who was kind of saying, you know, well, what are you doing about your music? Like, and I'm like, well, I'm running the label, you know, I'm putting on other shows for other acts. I'm mm -hmm. doing, like, Karan Club. I was doing loads of stuff, you know. And he's like, yeah, but what about your music? And I was like, in my head, I, I felt as though that was actually, you know, still working on my own projects as well. But yeah, it really wasn't because, I mean, it was separate from the band. So then kind of like started to release stuff and knocked a lot of the stuff I was doing on on the head in order to do that. Okay. So, yeah, just it took a bit of time because of that. Yeah. I think it's really difficult as musicians because it, it's so easy to, I think like Freddie Mercury described it as being a musical prostitute and you, and you just end oh, wow. up get it, getting, you know, pulled into all these different projects and you just, you know, give yourself to something here or like, you said trying to run a label, like support other acts, put live shows, I mean, you, you kind yeah. of just neglect yourself a little bit as well as an artist. Yeah, I think so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like um, resources as well and if I wanted to do the music that I wanted to do and you know, without being scared that it's not going to work out. Like, part of me feels that that was, like, me putting blocks in the way because I didn't really want to know if it was going to work out. Mm. You know, but I'm glad that I, I did try anyway. And you just took that plunge and, and obviously paid off. Yeah. So, so, like, talking about new music, have you got any upcoming singles that are coming out or kind of stuff that's in the works? Yeah, there's lots of stuff in the works. I mean, um, just before the tour was announced, I was just taking a bit of a break, you know, just get physically fit and just try and work on that point. Mm. And then the plan was to start recording for a second album, which is still the plan. Okay. <laughs> it's still a plan, but obviously with the, the tour, all focuses on that now. Yes. And um, that's, you know, it's just been a, a run up to that. But I guess like once the tour's over, then we should get in the studio and, and work on some new stuff. New material, fantastic. Yeah, yeah it would be cool. Um, I guess as we start to wind down now, one question that I do really want to ask you, and, and I'm sure like a lot of your fans would maybe like to know that, where does, uh, where does the name Princess Maha come from? Oh, okay. Um, well, yeah, I, I guess like I just kind of changed it to that because uh, I just thought it would be funny. You know, like when you're going around a shop and like you've got a store assistant that's following you and they think they're going to steal something because you look alternative. Yeah. And then you pull out your bank card and it just says Princess Maha. I just thought it would be quite funny. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I kind of made that as my, my name and then I had to actually legally change it to that to get back onto my Facebook account because someone reported me or <laughs> something like that. Really silly. Yeah, you know, someone reports your name as not real or something. Oh. So then I just had to actually get the legal documentation together and just go... 
Yeah, there you go. It changed my name ages ago. See so that. <laughs> you legally changed it. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Thanks. I didn't realise you'd gone like that far and gone to that next step with it. I didn't know if it was a um um like an alias, you know, if we're on stage yeah. or off stage, but I mean well the cut is my alias really, so but um because obviously you're a doctor, so is it <laughs> yeah. Doctor Princess? <laughs> yeah, well, apparently, yeah. Doctor Princess. Yeah, but honestly, everyone just calls me Maha. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, I guess if someone came and was like, hey, princess, would you not even respond to you? Like, what? No, no, I do, I do. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. Do people come and call you yeah. that sometimes? Yeah, sure, I don't mind, honestly. I don't mind any, any version. Oh. So really quickly, kind of then, because um, I know, like, obviously tonight you've got to get back and, and do the last minute preps for the tour and stuff. <laughs> Can you give us, like, a little bit of a rundown of kind of, like, uh, the research you did for your PhD? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because uh, I'd love to learn some more about that. Yeah, no, cool. I mean... Um, I kind of got into that area of research because when I was in my first ever band, like one of the band members became unwell, started to like have unusual experiences and, and then later became diagnosed with schizophrenia. I mean, at the time I was just like 15 or whatever and I was like, I just really don't understand. Mm. So I kind of started doing a lot of reading in psychology and then later on went to do psychology A-level. And when it came to uni, I was like, yeah, I might, might actually do that. So I kind of followed that um and then yeah like I did my project and then I just left it so I was done I kind of went and worked in a guitar shop for a bit cool and um <laughs> yeah it was fun I mean it wasn't as fun as I thought it would be right <laughs> um but yeah I mean definitely I built my studio while I was there with a discount so it was quite a, a good time I met a lot of really cool people and that's when I set up the label as well but um you know, afterwards I kind of had this nagging feeling that I wasn't doing enough mm. to help with that situation and I kind of went back and I did a master's like alongside my label stuff. And uh, in that I kind of found some preliminary evidence that some kinds of diet might be associated to some kinds of um, unusual experience. So mm -hmm. I was looking at risk really. Okay. I mean, after that, you know, again I went back to my label stuff and then you know, I kept having this nagging guilt that I still wasn't doing enough about it. Because, you know, like, especially if you've got some preliminary findings and it's mm. like, they're not going to publish themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, someone's actually got to go research it, find it, and then put it out there. Um, so, yeah, I ended up going back and doing the PhD. And But, I mean, in that time, the research had really taken a shift. Like, some of the, like, tasks they were using to identify risk for schizophrenia you know, been like largely discredited and there was kind of new stuff that they wanted to try out. So my supervisor, Elias, you know, he was working on these kind of softwares that could predict whether someone may develop hallucinations based on like, you know, in the task, you kind of follow fast moving words and some people will have hallucinations, many like misperceptions really, um, on the task and they seem to be associated with the usual risk measures for schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. So then I kind of developed an additional piece of software and then took the leading scales and said, actually, well, we think that this is in three parts, not one. Because, like, you know, psychosis has a number of different aspects. So, like, one of them might be hallucinations, mm -hmm. one of them might be, like, delusions and magical thinking, right. um, and another might be just, like, disorganisation of perceptions and, you know... There is a lot of evidence that creativity is related to uh, risk for schizophrenia. So, I mean, mm -hmm. risk we call schizotypy. Okay. So there is a lot of evidence that those two are linked. Um, 
And yeah, we kind of took that measure and said, well, you know, it's measured as one thing now, but actually it might be that some people are more likely to develop delusions. And can we you know, measure that so we can then track those people and, and try and help them before psychosis develops kind of thing. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of... That sounds incredibly interesting. I think we're going to have to do a separate podcast <laughs> away from the car and, and, and focus solely on the PhD. Um, that, that's really cool. It's definitely something we're, we're going to have to dig into more at a different time. Um, I guess just to just to kind of finish off now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can read them or if you want to read them. Oh, go let, ahead. Let's talk about the tour dates. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, okay. Well, I, I kind of know them. I've been memorising them. Do you want to do it? And I, um, I've got it on my phone so I can test you. Okay. Here we go. So, um, do you want dates or just the actual... Let's do venues, let's do dates. Okay, so venues. So, okay, 17th of March, we're going to play at Bodega in Nottingham. 18th of March, we're going to play Rebellion Manchester. 19th, we're going to play at the Thecla, Bristol. 20th, we'll be at Underworld in London. 21st will be at O2 Academy 2 Newcastle. 22nd will be at King Tut's Wawa Hut in Glasgow. Then we've got a day off on the 23rd. Um, and then we'll head over to Belfast in Northern Ireland and we'll play at Voodoo on the 24th. And then the 25th we'll play at the Grand Social in Dublin in Ireland. I'm laughing now because it's so ridiculous that I've memorised it. I tell you what, it helps a lot if you know this stuff when you're travelling around. I bet, yeah. <laughs> and then on the 26th, we're going to end the tour at the Asylum in Birmingham. Great. And hopefully it's not the Asylum that you would usually think it's actually a venue. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, where can we buy tickets? Um, yeah, so if you head over to the Cut page, that's uh, the cuts with uk. Um, so the cuts.co.uk and then we've got all the tour dates and tickets and everything listed there. Or dankojones.co.uk, no, .com. .com, okay, yeah. fantastic. Maha, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks. <laughs>